I'm Tyler, and this is Outbound Sales Lift, where you can elevate your SDR team and transform your sales development efforts. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoy this show, please consider dropping us a rating to help others find us, and you can also subscribe to get each episode delivered straight to you on Tuesdays, right when they're released. On today's episode, we're going to be covering ICP, which means Ideal Customer Profile, and I've got the pleasure of being joined by Kellen Casebeer. Hey, Kellen, how's it going? Doing well, Tyler. Good morning. Good morning. All right. Awesome. Kellen is a senior sales advisor at Sales Driven Agency. He's also the founder of a sales community called the Speak Easy. And Kellen, when we think about ICP, what is an ICP and why should an SDR care about it? I think simply put, ICP is like who we sell to, right? And that's super simplified. And I think it gets glossed over how important that is. To go a little deeper is like ICP to me is specifically who do you sell to, or rather who loves to buy your products out of a broad market? And the more specific we can get of who are the people that love us versus kind of like the broad demand in that market, the more easily we can like find them, write messaging specifically to those people. They'll respond to them better, higher conversion rates, just overall wins. And so to me, there's a lot of refinement on like copy and messaging and channels and all this stuff. I believe that's all downstream though, of who are the people we're actually trying to sell to. And if we just say like, I sell the VPs of sales, it's like, no, you don't. <laughs> so when you say I sell to VPs of sales, that's not enough. It sounds like is what you're saying. Yeah, what more just, do you need? Like how deep should you go down this ICP rabbit hole? I think the deeper you go, the better you are, but you have to balance that with, you have to hit your numbers and metrics. You have to be doing activity every single day with the potential to get like your metrics, but every bit unit of energy into like understanding your ICP better, like is a multiplier, like a small multiplier on those efforts, right? Yep. So you couldn't spend, you know, a whole month learning my ICP and then go do my outbound. It's like, no, that's not going to fly your manager. You know, you'll get fired. And so <laughs> I look at it more as like, what is the system I use so that as I'm always doing my outbound, I'm recirculating what I learned back into my knowledge of like, who is my ICP? Mm. And the example of like the VP of sales, it depends. It depends what you sell, right? right? Because, you know, there's that company pavilion. They sell coaching cohorts to yes. sales leaders. Right. And generally it means tech sales leaders. So like if I'm selling for pavilion, I might say I sell the VPs of sales. And if I go on LinkedIn, probably most VPs of sales might be the right people. Yep. But like, let's say I sell outreach.io, right. Yep. And a sales engagement platform. And let's say I sell to VPs of sales because I know that, so to speak. Well, I'm going to presume that that's because they're the strategic decision maker of the sales department outreaches for people who have teams of people running outbound who need sequences things like that. And so to say I sell to a VP of sales, it's like there's plenty of companies with just one person in sales and they're called the VP, right? Yep. That's not a person probably for outreach, right? And so I think it's like, while the assumption of like VP of sales, it's mostly true. Mm -hmm. There's a hundred thousand SDRs reaching out to the VP of sales. And if you're the one person who goes so far as to be like, I reach out to VP of sales of tech companies doing 10 million plus in revenue with at least eight SDRs. Yep. Now you just made it. So every other person reaching out being like, I sell the VPs of sales. That guy's like your girl is like, no, like they're going to ignore them. And you're the mm. one that sounds like, you know what you're doing because yep. you're willing to like divide it down to a much smaller market or like a smaller mm -hmm. target. You know, it's interesting. Do you think it's the SDR's responsibility to kind of figure that out and narrow that scope? Or should this really be like the SDR leader or other executives in the company who maybe figure this out and kind of can just communicate that 
VPSLs, 10 million, eight SDRs. Like, should that be others in the organization figuring it out? Or should that be on that SDR doing the outreach? Yeah, I think it's both. So your company, I believe, definitely has the duty to give you this, right? Yes. But there's limitations, right? So one is if you think of the feedback loop within a company, if you're an SDR today with the product you have today, the messaging you're told to give is what the marketing team decided four quarters ago and then have been <laughs> producing the documents for, yeah. right? And so it's just a slower feedback loop. Like they're telling you this. And also there's a limitation of training, which is like, I have to generalize to train to something. And then like the anomaly, like hyper-specific things, I can't train that up front. It's nuanced. It's in the weeds. It's not the right stuff. So as an SDR coming in day one, like turn your brain off, learn the ICP, your company is training you stuff that's built to be successful. So I do believe start there. But I think if you're an SDR who wants to be a great salesperson, or you want to start a business one day, or you just, you know, want to do your job really well, you should see it as if I can understand my market better than anyone else, I'll be better. And I would never tell you to just rely on your company to be the person to like get you there because you're on a team of however many other people with the exact same training. How do you stand out just yep. doing the same stuff? If you're an SDR out there then, and you want to be better, you want to go deeper and you want to understand your ICP better than anybody else on your team or on your competitors' company's teams, right? Because you're all competing for that mind share of your prospects of attention. How do you get better at understanding that ICP if you want to go that extra step? Yeah, I can think of a bunch of ways. Um, okay, so one of the ones that's like kind of a classic is just like if you've booked meetings that went well, asking if you can get more time on their calendar to just talk to them and straight up ask. I reached out to you because I saw this. You took the meeting. It sounds like things went well. Do you mind sharing what specifically made this really attractive to you? I think that's one. So like customer interviews. I think another one is just like market research in general, go, you know, people write reviews, like all of this information's out there. So go find out the way I train it oftentimes is understand like, what do people hate about what you're selling? Right. And then just be like the person who can bring that to light right away. Yep. Right. So if I was calling selling like marketing services, right. Like I advise a bunch of companies to do digital marketing. A lot of them are calling and going like, Hey, Tyler, like we help business owners drive leads to their website. Like, would that be worth setting up a call? Right. And I tell them like, Hey, every business owner wants 20% more qualified leads yet thousands of millions of those calls happen a day. And people say, no, why? Yep. Right. And the answer is not that they don't want the thing you said it's that they don't believe you. Right. <laughs> because it's just like, you're just promising something out of context. And so what I train is like, why not call that same person and be like, Tyler, I know you get 500 calls a week from people telling you they can put 20% more leads coming through your pipeline and you tell them no, or hang up. We're eight seconds in. Do you mind me letting you know why I think you might be willing to let me be one of the only ones to have the conversation with you? You know, mm. things like that. That wasn't actually yeah. great. Well, but I get it. You're almost like bringing up that objection on the front end of like, hey, I know you get a lot of these and they all sound and look the same, but let me tell you why we're a little bit different, right? And then it sounds like right on the back end of that, you've got to have that key differentiator, that value prop, whatever makes you stand out from the other 500. My methodology is question asking. I believe in like yeah. asking questions to show competency. Mm. And so when I do that, if they say, hey, I don't normally take these, but go ahead, right? <laughs> yeah, go ahead. I just be like, awesome. Look, if I were to tell you right now what I do, you'd hang up then because it would be completely out of context. Can I ask you three questions, including this one in order to put a little bit more behind it? Yep. Yes. Right. And then be like, okay, awesome. First underhand softball question, all those calls you get that you hang up on, what is the number one thing that you don't believe about what they say? Mm. 
right? Yeah. Something like that, whatever that thing is. I think a good question is, what do you not believe? Well, they don't know my business, blah, blah, blah. Yep. Right. And so then I would go, okay, great. So if you don't mind me being really direct, are you of the belief that digital marketing agencies could not help your business? Is our mm. industry more or less a scam? Mm. Right. And if they go like, no, 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 it's not that. And I yeah. go, okay. We're not so, a scam. I've been, I've got a million dollar business. It's not a scam. Right. What are you talking about? <laughs> and so then if you go, okay, great. So if you believe that this thing can work, but most of them you believe wouldn't work for you, what are they not seeing that you think is really important? Mm. It's kind of like Alex Hormozzi does like, you know, I think it's like on a scale of one to 10, how close to 10 are you and ready to buy right now? Yeah. Right. And whatever yeah. they say, what would you have to get to a 10? Yep. Same idea. The whole thing is, SDRs oftentimes are like arguing into objections. And I just believe of like understanding people better. Like, don't argue. Mm -hmm. Like, okay, yeah, you are there. Like, help me understand why. Like, where's that coming from? Right. And it and sounds like, like these questions too, Kellen, are almost like giving you that data to better understand this ICP, to understand this person, yeah. what their problems they're going through, what their business looks like, what keeps them up at night, like all these things. If you ask the right questions, you're almost doing that market research just by having conversations, right? 100%. And then you can leverage those answers to make your next call a little bit better. Because now yes. you can say, well, hey, I was just talking to so-and-so and they said that they were, as an agency owner, they were facing blank, right? And you can, you're speaking now from a place of understanding and perspective versus just like, well, yeah, here's what they told me to say. Yeah. So. And also I think it's about, you're asking these questions, like you're saying, it's like, it gives you this experimentation Mm -hmm. like opportunity. And, and one of the other things too is like, there's what you say, there's how you say things. I'm a big believer in professionalism spectrum. A lot of people, SDRs tend to be like, all right, I'm in this, I'm in this new company. It's this big company, you know, it's this thing. I like, I have this role, I have a boss. They get robotic. A lot of times I think salespeople are like too dry, too direct, not too direct, but like dry direct. Like this just sounds like a thing. It sounds saying. super canned almost, yeah. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Or just like a blank promise. Yeah. Like it feels empty like, probably too, because the SDR probably doesn't really believe it anyways. It's just like, it, well, that's just what I was told to say. Exactly. So. I have a friend who is a professional opera singer actually, and he's a cold caller. He sells cyber. <laughs> like, that's such an so, interesting dynamic, yeah. opera singer and cold caller. Yeah. He was also on that show, the granite games that like the rock hosted. He's like oh, a freak. Okay. He's just like a freak. <laughs> Jack performer. of all trades. I like yeah. <laughs> but like he ran a cold call workshop one time for my Slack group. And the thing he was talking about was like matching frequency or energy. And he was like, you know, you call the guy and they're like, is this a cold call? He's like, what do you want to say? Like, what's the honest thing? Right. And people are like, it is a cold call. He's like, no, go further. Right. And like, I don't know if I can swear, but he's like, this is an effing cold call. Right. And like, basically <laughs> yeah. the idea was a lot of times sales dev reps try to like be professional, try to kind of like have their pattern they want to follow. That's not human interaction. That's not a fun human interaction. Right. Mm. And so my buddy, Michael, like he's all about meet their energy, like call yeah. them on it. Right. Like, oh, is this a cold call? Like, yeah, this is a cold call. Like <laughs> that's exactly what's going on here. Right. Yeah. And being willing to be like the one person who's bold enough to like call it like it is, bring it, yep. you know, be really direct. Like you said, it's just, you, you learn your market. Like you might find out that like really direct doesn't work. You might find out yep. that like making jokes doesn't work. But honestly, I think that if you think of like the personas we sell into, a lot of times they're very direct executive, yep. like to the point that's all true. And so it's like, you need to be direct, but a lot of times when you're like people who deal with direct people are a little bit like fearful of them yes, right? or they place themselves under them. And that's not a good place to come from. So really, right. I'm like, I want to take it to them. And I want to be like, look, I know what you're going to be feeling like. I know your attitude towards this. But here I am anyways. And like, if you think I'm just an idiot calling you for no reason, great. But I have a reason. Are you yeah. going to hear it? 
will hang up on me, which they would, right? If, yeah. they, if they truly think that. But I agree. It's a little bit of that challenger mentality too, of being able to to think like I I am a peer and not just a little SDR, you know, the little yeah. engine that could, like you've got to come in from a place of confidence and strength. And I think to what we've been talking about, understanding who's on the other end of the phone or who's likely to be on the other end of the phone and really getting into that ICP, not just defining like their job, but also maybe defining who are they, right? Who are, yeah. What are their values? What do they care about? What do they read? What podcasts yeah. do they listen to? Like go and do and interact with those things so you can try to walk a day in their shoes. Now you're never going to be like able to like be a VP of sales for a day, but you can under certainly understand like what do they think about? What do they talk about? Who do they talk to? What do they read? What do they engage with? And you go and try to engage with those things and understand those things so that then you're speaking from that place of it's more peer to peer, even though you don't have the same job level. Yeah. That doesn't matter. You are still a human being. They're a human being. And if you speak like that, you'll have better conversations. Yeah, 100%. I use the term dilemmas for what I want to understand about people, which comes from jujitsu, actually, as you know, I still love yeah. the term of dilemma in jujitsu is I can put you in positions and be doing things where you have to react. But I know that you only have two reactions you can give and I have an answer to each of them. And that's mm. a dilemma. So it's like a great jujitsu practitioner might win like they'll know they won, not just when they get like the submission, but, oh, I got you in this dilemma. Like, oh, I have you here. What are you going to choose? Right. You know? so it's like, it's almost like a game of chess, it sounds like. Like you kind of put people, like you put people into a circumstance and you're wanting an A-B reaction. You kind of know where you're going either way. Exactly. Yeah. And work, we're all in dilemmas, right? So Every day. We're in a dilemma in this interview right now. Because yes. it's like, well, Kellen could say something and I've got to go one of two directions, right? right. Or vice versa. Well, not even just that, but like think of a business owner, right? The business owner who I'm calling about 20% more leads. The dilemma they're in is I am certain they want to grow their business and make more money. Yep. And I'm calling them about that, right? So that's one side of dilemmas. Like one path is like, do it. But why are they not doing that? Because they're in the dilemma of they don't trust me and they get a lot of spam calls like this. Yep. Right. And so sometimes people call and they're just talking about the upside. Some people, sometimes people call and talk about the downside. Hey, you know, you probably don't trust these. I want to call it like it is. Hey, yeah. Tyler, I know that you need to grow your business. You're not a marketing expert. And if you're going to do it, you need to lean into some marketing expertise. Yep. But you get like 500 calls a day and like 498 of them sound like an absolute joke to you. Yep. Right. We're eight seconds into this one. So maybe I'm not one of the jokes to you. Do you mind me asking you a couple of questions to see if we can help you with that dilemma? Or would that be a complete waste of your time? Yeah. Which right. I love the permission coming off of that. Like you're calling it like you see it. You're asking for permission. And now, I mean, I would say a lot of folks, just given how different that, that's a huge pattern interrupt yeah. from what they normally hear. Just given how different it is, I guarantee you get a lot. 80% of folks would say, okay, like, yeah. go ahead. Yeah, what do you have? And then you better be ready with those questions now to like really nail those. Because you've got the stage, the audience, the time, the permission. Now it's time to it's time to execute. Yeah. And which, by the way, goes back to understanding your ICP, because yep. if you don't understand your ICP, well, if I'm like, hey, I know you want to grow sales, right? They're like, dude, what the hell? Like, what? Like, yeah. Like, <laughs> that's so generic, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's well, like, that's what everybody else would say, right? But exactly. but I guess what you're saying is you want to define the problem or the outcome way more specifically than anyone else. It sounds yeah. like. like you want to get as narrow as you can. And then hopefully that hits a nerve. And then they're all of a sudden, hey, I yeah. pick that curiosity, which like we were talking about before, that's all we're trying to do is SDRs, right? Peak the curiosity, understand if we're in the ballpark here, and then let's let the AE do their job from there. Yeah. And what's great is I actually think it tees up AEs better 
too, because it's not How just so? going like, hey, because it's like, I'm not going like, hey, here's this valuable thing. Like if I just go like, hey, business owners often don't know how to run sales. Like, would you be interested in learning a little bit about how we could build sales for you? They're saying yes, but I only say, shared the top end. And when my AE goes in there, starts asking questions, I know what is going to happen. Yep. The prospect is going to bring up the objections. They're going to bring up the bottom end. They're going to go, oh yeah, yeah, this is great, but blah, blah, blah. Right. And so if I go in from the get go and go, Tyler, I know that you were stuck between this and this, you know, you got to reconcile that. And if you want to grow the business, you got to go here. But if you go here, you're really worried you're going to get screwed over. And I think that your ability to judge, you know, who's a good player or not is majorly impactful over how much revenue you can make next year. Right. And by teeing it up through that dilemma, when the AE steps in, they're not going like, so what do you want to do? Oh, we could help you do that. Oh, wait, we can overcome this objection. They're going like, so man, look, like I get it. You're in a tough spot. You aren't an expert at this thing. You need this thing to grow, yep. but yep. you're also not an expert. So it's hard for you to choose it. Now I'm not here to try to tell you what you need to do. I'm here to be a resource and go into your discovery, like whatever questions you have, but yep. it's much more consultative. It's cutting through all of the BSery because mm-hmm. prospects are like scared to admit pains because they think we're going to pounce on them. Yep. So if we say, I know the pain, but I also know the other side of why you don't do something about it. Now it doesn't feel like I'm su- like trying to just drive them forward. It's like, no, no, I get it. Like you're in this thing and we're going to like reconcile that together. Yeah. I'm glad you brought up pain. Like when we think about defining an ICP and sales development is understanding the prospects pain or potential pain. Is that a big part of it? You think? Yeah, to me, the dilemma thing is that because I, I just okay. say it as like, I think you need to know their pains, but you need to understand why they have those pains and they're not solved. And you need to realize like, you know, no offense to us, like let's say you're 100K SDR, good, great SDR. It's like, we're talking to a million dollar earner. Like we need to assume that the obvious thing that we see, they saw as well. And yep. I think that this is where a lot of SDRs lose kudos and why, again, knowing the ICP is so important is like, if you bring like obvious shit to people, they don't like it. They're not going to feel good. So it's like, you can be like, oh, I know what you deal with. Like you have to hire a bunch, but it's hard to find good people. They're like, yeah, yeah. like there are a million of us right. with that. Like, yes. But if you can come to them and be like, you need to hire a bunch, it's really hard. And most people solve that by this, this, or this. But when I see a company who's not doing either three, I make the assumption that this other thing, mm-hmm. is that approximately what you're dealing with? Right. And all of a sudden it's like, wow, that's very astute. Right. Mm. I'm not just saying like, why aren't you doing these things? Like that's, it's like, it's showing that I'm trying to put this together myself. It's almost like I'm asking them for help. Like, I'm not trying to ask you, is this your pain? And you to like lay your sword, you know, shield down and be like, yes, you know, how can you save me? As I'm looking at what you're doing, I'm seeing these things, like what's the missing piece here. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And by making it so that they are incentivized to answer, because it's almost like, again, going back to the dilemma, If I can phrase this in a way where the dilemma is like, there's this obvious thing you could be doing to help this, but you're not, help me understand why you're going to get the objection, but you don't sound like you're trying to sell them and that you're going to overcome it. You sound like you're aligning on their positioning. Yep. Alex Hormozzi has this quote that's like, prospects buy from the person that they believe understands them the best. Yep. Right. And I think that that's what this is. It's like, I'll use the analogy of cats, right? So cats are wired to like pounce, right? They're predators. And when a cat has like a mouse walking by it, it will shake, right? Because what's going on is its physiology is telling it to pounce, attack, kill, right? But it is consciously trying to withhold itself because every bit it waits, it's like percentage likelihood of success Mm. increases, 
right? And so it cats will physically shake from this because they have like competing like nerves firing, mm. like attack, wait, attack, wait. And so they'll shake. I think sales dev is like the same stuff. Mm. If you think that you have enough to book a meeting, great. If you go one question deeper, you're only going to probably get better. And so mm. to me, it's like, how can you be the person who's patient enough Yep. Hold a conversation to talk about real pains and not just jump on them so that you sound like you're out of context and be like, all right, Tyler, Hey, look, I know every company needs to grow. And it's great that like, we're having a conversation about how we can bring in more opportunities, but it sounds like there's some issues with the sales team as is. Do we believe that like, even if you had all of these, would you be closing them at a clip that even makes sense to do this? Or is it that like, I could crush what we're talking about, but the rest of the business isn't suited to like handle that. Yeah. Right. Being able to think forward and like think in context of like what actually is going on, not just like my little silo makes me a business partner to them. Right. Yeah. They're happy to have the conversation because I don't come off like, you know, it comes off like I am actually being empathetic. You know, people yeah. use these words empathy, provide value, like all these things, but they're almost never genuinely that. Well, they never actually happen. I mean, it's, and I like, I like what you said about the Hermosi quote. And I always say you want to seek to understand before we seek to prescribe. I think a lot of SDRs come in leading with like, well, we do this and we do this and we can help you with this. And this is how we do it. And this is how we're better. Like, don't you want to chat about that? Is it crazy to grab 20 minutes now versus like, there's no understanding, you know? And usually yeah. when I hear calls that go that way, I usually go back and I say, so before you asked for that meeting, what did you understand about their business that you thought they would be a good fit to have a, a 30 minute meeting with our E? Like, what did yeah. you understand? And you're like, uh, well, uh, I mean, I don't, you know, I just knew they picked up and it sounded like they were interested. So yeah, I went for it, you know? sales, bro. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because I need, I was the cat and I needed to pounce, you know? Yeah. And I get like, there's that competing priority for SDRs too. Yeah. Of like, I need to book meetings. I have a quota over my head. And if I don't get enough AE time I'm like, on their calendar from me, I don't get paid. So I get that competing priority. But you can, I think, rush that process yeah. and and miss the whole well, seeking to understand. And then you have no show rates through the roof, right? right? People don't show up. People don't people don't understand what you do. People don't care because yeah. you actually just like shoved a meeting down their throat. And some people just say yes to get you off the phone. Right. Yeah. Well, and also, I mean, it's just that's the dilemma of the sales SDR. Like yes. that is the dilemma. That's exactly what I'm talking about, where it's like understanding an SDR because it's like imagine going to SDRs and just telling them like, Hey guys, you can't just pitch to everyone. We got to make sure they're qualified. Yeah. Right. Like that is lacking empathy because it's way better. If I go, look, I know you make a hundred calls a day. You maybe get five conversations. And if you're not booking one of those, you're, you're really stressed because you might be missing your number. And so I understand that every person you talk to, you need to maximize the opportunity for it. Yes. Right. That's meeting them with the dilemma. And then going, look, I need you to understand that if you're talking to the person you could help and you don't ask the right questions, you they will say no to you, even if you're the perfect product. And so while you're coming at this, trying to get everything you can from it, you'll actually get more by spending more time being willing to go into like their current situation, what they're dealing with, where they want to go, then you're going to really be able to crush it. Yep. Right. And when you can teach that to an SDR, it's actually really easy to, to help them understand like your prospect is doing the same thing, just like you need to convert something They're also. So it's like, and it's funny because that's what drives buying the known brands. It's yep. what drives low deal prices, right? Because a lot of times it's like, if, if we have an established great fit, it's like, oh, like, yeah, I need more sales. So I'll buy, you know, sales advisor. 
right? Yeah. Like if that's all you've established, they're going to go with the budget thing because there's no scope. There's no success metrics. There's no specificity. There's no risk in that. There's nothing, right? And so if someone comes to me and they're like, oh, we need a sales coach, you know, our budget's $2,000. It's like, yeah. yeah, I could probably go like, yeah, sure, I'd do that. But like, you really, you want to be like $2,000. How'd you come up with that number? Right. And probably, Where'd then, you like, pull that from? Yeah. Right. And then like, <laughs> you expect $2,000 to be able to produce a million dollars more and close one revenue this next year. Yeah. No. Okay. So what do you think it would fairly cost if your expectation is that a great coach could come in and help you close a million more dollars in revenue? How much do you think that person would yep. deserve of giving that result? Is it two grand a month? Right. Or whatever number we had said. Right. And so it's like, be, it, it helps you sell bigger deals by understanding what are these people actually dealing with? What are the actual constraints also? Mm -hmm. Because a lot of times we assume that like the constraints they tell us are real. So it might be being like, you know, Hey, I understand you only have $2,000 allocated for digital marketing. I also know that historically your digital marketing spend has been similar to lighting money on fire. Right. If you were seeing a return of like 10 X on your ad spend, would you really only be willing to spend two grand or right. like we'd be able to have a 10 K discussion if you believe that that's what you were going to be getting. Yep. hundred percent. That's the conversation you want because now you're in a 10 K monthly deal instead of a two K monthly deal because you're challenging this assumption, right? And like a week SDR might be like, Oh, okay. $2,000 a month. Yeah. I think we can do that. Like let's get time on the calendar. Right. But it's like, you know, Is it? <laughs> well, and it's like, I don't know. I'm a believer. Yeah. Like, I don't want the prospects that appreciate me for giving them a good deal. I want the prospects who appreciate me for like really challenging for pushing them. them. In a way yeah, exactly. Right, exactly. For pushing them. Yeah. Awesome. Kellen, I know we could go on all day, I but I, I really appreciate the conversation. You can find Kellen on LinkedIn. So look up Kellen Case Beer on LinkedIn and check out everything he's doing. Hope you enjoyed this episode of Outbound Sales Lift. If you need help elevating your SDR team, please visit our website at thesaleslift.com to learn more. And also make sure you hit subscribe wherever you get podcasts. So you can check out next week's episode filled with more great ideas on transforming your sales development efforts. Thanks again for listening. And remember, no sales starts until you you book that meeting. See you guys.